Yo Pots. Check out Meet Mitch and Leawood for award-winning barbecue, outstanding atmosphere, and your destination to watch all your favorite March Madness action. Tailgating for opening day? Place your order online and pick up on way to the game. Meet Mitch Barbecue, East 95th and Mission in Ranch Martin North Shopping Center. The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN at Kansas City, live in studio on a steamy Thursday afternoon. I highly recommend not hitting golf balls before work because the second you sit down in your chair, it feels like it's an absolute swamp. It feels like I'm in Florida. But not like the good part of Florida. The part that they wear jorts and cut off tank tops. That part of Florida. And that's their classy outfit. That's what it feels like outside. Kyle is behind the glass, but a lot to get into. David Lesky inside the crown joining us now, talking some Royals, baby. Lesky, how are you? Um, I'm good, but I'm a little bit concerned for you because there is not actually a good part of Florida. Well, so. no, come on. Like, No, there's not. The Gulf, Sanibel Island, well, it got hit by a hurricane. Um, there's good parts of Florida. Come on now. I'm, nope. a, I'm a beach man. Nope, there's beaches elsewhere. No good parts in Florida. What did Florida ever do to you? Did Florida, like, what happened? I, I am befuddled I, right now. Would you? Okay, here's what happened. I went there and experienced it. Yeah. Done. There's great golf. There's, uh... You know where else there's great golf? Lots of other places. Okay, I can go onto a beach and into the water in November. Okay? Okay, lots, you can go there in, in California. Myrtle Beach. Yeah, see, no. I'm not... Yeah. I've been to Cali. I like Cali, too. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about Florida. Can I find a Genonia shell in California? No, I cannot. Okay? No, I'm, who, that, that, that's literally the worst reason to go to Florida. Dude, no. I'm 87 years old, okay? I sit You're my not, ass no. on the beach with a a couple beers, a frozen cocktail. I look for shells, and I read a book, okay? It's a great there, life. There are shells elsewhere. You're No, this is stupid. There is nothing about Florida that is positive. I am... I am confused right now i had no idea you had this hot take of florida i I guess you hate tampa bay uh the florida marlins really got your goat apparently i let let me tell you i've been to miami fort lauderdale daytona orlando uh dunedin st pete tampa jacksonville it all sucks (laughs) all right fine you know what doesn't suck cole reagan's Cole Reagans was incredible last night. Six innings, two hits, 11 strikeouts, uh, and oh yeah, no walks. What was it? His 99th pitch came in at 100 miles an hour. Uh, Cole Reagans has been on ever since he came to Kansas City. His only really off game was almost more impressive, the fact that he was able to fight through it. How impressive was Cole Reagans last night? Oh, uh, Really impressive, and actually, not to harp, but I have heard that Cole Reagans hates Florida, so... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. He might be from Florida. Anyway, Cole Reagan, um, that mustache screams he loves Florida. No, he, he shaved it though. Think think about that. Mm. So, no, he was he was great. Um, he basically had the I call it the fu fastball, which is the fastball that guys who know it doesn't matter where they throw it, it will get out. They throw it. Um, that it, it's he threw thirty. What was it? Thirty three fastballs? Is that right? Thirty three? I think. 
Not a single one was put in play. <laughs> they didn't put a single fast. He had nine whiffs. Um, what was it? F- five called strikes and six foul balls. Not a single fastball was put in play. He averaged 98 miles per hour. It was it was one of the most impressive fastballs I've seen from a Royals pitcher in a long time. Um, and, you know, it, it, he, he showed the same stuff he's been showing for, what is it, August now, a month, a month and a half. I guess, I guess he came up and, and pitched that one game right after the break in that doubleheader against the Rays. So since mid-July, he, he showed what he's shown. And, you know, you look at this guy, and it's hard to – it's six starts at the big league level. Sorry, I was trying to collect my – trying to say this the right way because it's very difficult to look at what he's done and not get overboard excited. Um, and I'm not saying you shouldn't get excited about it, but it's been so good – that you almost want, you just want to ignore the sample size because it's just been impressive. And, you know, kudos to the Royals um, for pinpointing Cole Reagans and, and, and pinpointing a pitcher who they can, they thought they could add to his repertoire. Kudos to them for pinpointing a role as Chapman and his issues and being able to fix those and then trading him for Cole Reagans. Just the, the whole, the whole situation is a massive Scouting and player development success story. Uh, and shout out to Kyle, who's been scouting for me, who found out that Cole Reagan was actually born in Florida. But but it's a very and good. He left right. <laughs> Tough but fair. Touche, touche, Lesky. Uh, what I will Man. say is, how much credit does not just the Royals front office, but the fact that the Royals pitching coaches and the staff working with him? I understand he's had, I believe, two Tommy John surges already in his young career, but he was averaging, as you mentioned in your article on Inside the Crown on Substack, make sure you go there, uh, 92.1 miles per hour last year. And then in this game alone, he's been, what, 95, 96, 97, 99 to 100. He even threw a 101 to, as you mentioned, um, to someone on the 77th pitch not only that they had him add a slider the cutter is even better what i guess how much credit should we actually give a pitching staff that over the past i don't know five years has been very difficult to find any sort of any sort of wins yeah so the the velocity i mean i think you got to give cole reagan the credit there because he did a lot of work in the offseason before he was a royal of course so a lot of flexibility training, a lot of weight strength training and all that to help bring out the velocity in his game. Um, it's gotten to another level with the Royals. So I think there's something that the Royals are doing as well. Um, but, yeah, the slider they added, we talked about this, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. through, But last time we talked, I feel like that's that's a joint effort. You know, the Royals said, hey, we this is the pitch we think you can throw. Cole Reagan said, okay, I'll try to throw it. And they worked it out together. And the fact that he was able to pick it up so quickly, I think, is a testament to him. But um, the Royal staff putting that, getting that pitch into his repertoire was really big, too. So I, I think that, yeah, I go back, oh gosh, probably late May, early June, when I talked to a scout talking about um, Royals pitching development. How And he was just saying that watching Royals pitching prospects is night and day from what it was even last year. Um, they didn't make wholesale changes. I mean, they they moved on from some guys. They brought some guys in that, that didn't really get a lot of fanfare. But 
on the player development side, they didn't make a lot of big changes. Mitch Detter is still, or Mitch Detter is the bullpen. Um, um, oh gosh, I'm, I'm blanking on who the, the, Paul Gibson. Paul Gibson is still there. Um, a lot of times when a team has trouble with development, the guy who's in charge of the development goes, and he didn't. But what they've done is they've changed the way they're developing pitching. And we haven't seen huge results yet, but we've seen some from Cole Reagans. We saw a little bit from Chris Bubich before he got hurt. Um, Chandler Champlain, we've seen a, a, a lot of it. We've seen Ben Kuderna look different. Um, I'm missing guys. Man. Oh, one, one guy, Mason Barnett. Nobody talks about him in Double A. I, I talked to a scout to last week. I don't know days run together. I think it was last week who said he might be in the rotation by May next year mm. at the big league level. So they're doing something right, and and Cole Reagans is probably the biggest. Yeah, I don't think probably. I think he is the biggest success story of this group, and yeah, you know, it's a little bit hard to exactly assign credit just because he wasn't a Royal until June 30th, but um, what they've done with him is really amazing. So I want to give a little bit of the opposite side of the coin here. If they're able to do it with these guys, with some of the younger guys, with Cole Reagans, why can't they do it with dudes who were, again, I'm not saying everyone who's drafted in the top 50 is obviously going to be a stud, but there was a reason they were drafted in the top 50. There should be some talent there. Why can't they do it with guys like Jackson Coar? Why can't they continuously do it with Brady Singer, who he's been up and down ever since he started to turn it back on again? Well, now his ERA has ballooned over five again. Why can't they do it with some of those guys? Well, I, I think Coar specifically, there's been some changes with his arm slot. Um, ultimately, the, the issue that, that you run into is that it doesn't really matter how good your development is. The player has to be able to make the changes. And, you know, Jackson Coart, I will say, he had, he struggled yesterday. He looked pretty good in the couple outings before that, and he was pretty good in AAA out of, out of the bullpen too. So, you know, I, I think that, you you know, putting, putting a lot of stock into one outing is probably not the best idea, especially for a reliever when it's one inning or less even. Um, Singer, look, he had a bad outing. He did. But he's been pretty good since May. I mean, it's not guys. Guys are going to have bad starts. Like, like if you're looking for somebody to only give up three or fewer runs and only go six or more innings, you're just not going to find it. Well, there's, there's I will say, Lesky, Lesky, I will say, as far as Brady Singer's concerned, it is partly my fault. Every time I've picked him up to stream him in fantasy baseball, he gets shelled literally well, every single time, and so I think it's on me. Every time I drop him, he goes out and's like, I'm going to throw at Jim, and I'm sitting here like. Is it me? Am I the issue somehow? You are the issue, one hundred percent. I think we that that's kind of the answer to every question, though, right? Like you're the issue. <laughs> I feel like um, I'm just kidding. We love you, um, but but I, I think when you look at what Singer's done since, um, gosh, I can't remember the date. There, the, he had a bad start against the A's in early May, and since then he's got like a three five ERA. That's three and a half months. I mean. That is not a small sample, and it, it jives with what he did last year. Um, so I, I don't, I don't have too much concern about that. It, it's, but I mean, really, what we have, what it comes down to, is the pitcher has to, or the player. If you're talking about offense too, the player has to be able to implement what the coaching staff is asking of them, and some guys maybe just aren't capable of it. 
Mm. It's as simple as that. I mean, some guys just maybe aren't good enough to be able to do it. And, and so that's, you know, we talk about, well, where, did the, where have the Royals gone wrong? Is it in scouting or player development? And I generally tend to think the issue has been player development um, over the past half decade plus, just because you look at the drafts and generally the response is the Royals did well. Wow, I like this player. And then the player never becomes anything. Well, that, that to me says that's a player development issue. Um, but as you learn more and more about scouting, I mean, there, there are some guys who a, a pick or a trade or whatever is lauded that wouldn't, you know, from 20 years ago that wouldn't be today because we know so much more. We know, okay, this type of player doesn't actually do well because of this. And I'm being vague because I can't think of any particular examples, but I mean, you get the idea. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that, the, the biggest thing that the Royals need to do better and hopefully are doing better, and you know, to bring it back to Cole Reagan's, it, that's an example of them doing better, is they need to target the guys who their staff can do wonders with. Um, and I don't, it, it's hard to blame Brian Sweeney and, and Zach Bove and, and Paul Gibson and all these guys. Uh, well, Paul Gibson was there, but it's hard to blame the new guys and the new development on pitchers who were there before they knew what they before they had these guys in place to know what they should be targeting. Yeah, and and so I think that that's that's the big thing moving forward. How many more Cole Reagans can they find? Um, yeah, I think back. This is here's an example: James MacArthur, um, who has not looked good at the big league level. He's a guy the Royals targeted from the Phillies back in. May, June, May, it's, it's been a while. Um, again, has, has struggled at the big league level. But he's the type of pitcher who I think that they believe they can do something with. And I will be very interested to see what MacArthur looks like next season in spring training if he makes it on the roster, just because he is a guy that this group targeted. Did- you know, you, you, can, you can think that Jonathan Heasley has upside here or there or whatever. But this this group didn't pick him. I mean, J.J. Piccolo did, yes, but Brian Sweeney, Zach Bove, these guys, they didn't pick him. So I don't really care, honestly. I mean, I'd love to see them figure things out with these guys, but I really want to see moving forward the pitchers who they target to fix and see if they can do it. When you look at these current players, these current guys who are either in the majors right now, Brady Singer, Cole Reagans, and you look at some of the guys in the minors, in a lost year, we're already looking forward towards the future. What do you think the starting rotation looks like next year? Is Brady Singer still a part of it, or is Brady Singer a potential trade piece? Is Cole Reagans, is he going to be you know, a, a, a number two starter? Are, there, are, are the Royals going to have to go out and bring in a, a big-name free agent, a big-name pitcher? You and I have thrown around the name Aaron Nola before. Um, where do you see the Royals going next year? Yeah, I mean, I think Singer is a tough one because I'm pretty confident in from what some of the stuff that I've heard that he could have easily been traded on August 1st or around there. Um, I would not be surprised if he's traded this offseason. He's got three years of arbitration left. Um, it's not a matter of cheapness. It's a matter of 
you know, you get value for guys you can get value for. And that, that that's the way good teams operate. And I, I, I don't know that I'm like 80% that he's traded, but I think I'm more than 50-50 that he's moved this winter. So it, it's hard to look at the rotation next year and have a real good idea just because we don't know where Brady Singer is going to be. But if he's not traded, he's in there. Cole Reagans is in there. The rest, I, big old shrug. I don't know because Jordan Lyles is probably there just based on his contract, at least to start of the season. Okay, so there's, there's a starter. And I don't like Jordan Lyles. I think the second year was silly, all that. But if he's going to give you six innings with four runs allowed, whatever, it's it's fine. I'm not, I don't have the energy to be upset about it anymore. Um, what? So he's there. Whatever, that's fine. I don't know about the rest. Can you count on Daniel Lynch? Of course not. I mean, he missed two months and then has missed, what, a month and a half at this point now, a month at this point. I don't. I haven't heard any update on him. Um, I would imagine. I guess we get an update on him probably when they get home on Monday, because usually a lot, a lot of times after road trips they they kind of do a lot, nice little recap of injured players. But I mean, can will we see him for two and a half, three weeks to end the season? I don't know. But can you count on him? No, you can't. Chris Bubich isn't going to be back until the All Star break. Um, I mean, who else is there? Gosh, Angel Zerpas looked terrible. I think in general, he's not a guy who I would count on. Um, he starts looking at the minors. Chandler Champlain, I mentioned him. Mason Barnett, I mentioned him. Those are a couple guys. Anthony Veneziano, Jonathan Bolin. I don't know what they're going to do. I, I think that they they're going to have to spend a little money or or acquire in trades. Um, they're going to spend money or, or player capital, basically. Um, because I, I think they probably need to bring in three starting pitchers this winter um, and not Jordan Lyles types. Certainly not Jordan Lyles types. So <laughs> Please no. It's, it's, a, um, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to look at. It's interesting, though, because Royal starting pitching has actually been pretty good. Not good. It's been pretty average since the break. And when they're scoring runs, you think, okay, average starting pitching gets it done. They need to fix the bullpen, yes, 100%. But it's, every so often you, you look at the numbers and you're like, maybe they're not that far off in the rotation. And then you look at who's starting and you think, okay, they are. But um, oh, I didn't mention Alec Marsh, who's actually had a pretty good August. I tweeted that earlier today. Um, I just don't know if he's a starter. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what these guys are yet. And, and, if, and if somebody says they know what they are, they're lying because it's just we just don't know enough yet. What I'll also say about the bullpen is, I know the bullpen's horrible right now, but you can't be mad because we wanted the Royals to trade those guys, so of course right. they're going to be bad. I can live with this because they got value back from those dudes. We knew, if you expected the bullpen to stay where it was after trading away your best pieces, that's on you, not the team. Uh, two guys I want to touch, touch on before we talk about position players. Have you heard anything, you know the name, Asa Lacey, and then the other guy, Frank Mazzucato? I haven't heard a word on Lacey other than when people tweet to Ann Rogers and she responds, he's in Arizona. Mm. That's literally all you hear. He's not pitching. Um, at this point, I, if, at this point, expecting something out of Lacey is you're silly. Um, it could be the, the greatest 
greatest heist of the of the century if the Royals get him to be a good starting pitcher or even a good reliever, honestly, at this point. But he's – I don't know. I don't know anything about him, honestly. Uh, Mozicato is interesting. Um, he had the injury where he collided with um, – oh, gosh, who was it? Do you remember who it was who he collided with? I can't remember. I now. don't. I don't. I'm, I'm blanking. Anyway, um, missed – they say he was going to miss a month, and then it was like a start that he ended up missing – and he really hasn't made good since then. But he, and he got bumped up to high A and struggled. Um, but he has kind of turned a bit of a corner over his last couple starts. He's getting strikeouts again. Um, I think it was Preston Farr on Twitter. Sorry, on X.com. Um, who, who mentioned that um, he's throwing a – looks like he's throwing a slider now, which is important for him. I – you know, I, I think the next step for Mozicato, he's got to figure out what Cole Reagans did and add a little velocity. Um, if he's going to sit 91, 92, I, I, I'm not saying it can't work in the big leagues, but it can't work at a high enough level that he can be counted on to be a, a big-time starting pitcher soon. But if he can get to – he doesn't have to do the 96 thing like Reagans. 93 to 95, yeah, you're talking about a big league starting pitcher. So – there's work to do. Um, I'm encouraged by the fact that he's added a slider. I think that's big. Um, but, you know, the results just haven't been there lately for him either. Yeah. David Lesky into the crown, joining us right here on the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City, switching uh, to the other side and talking position players. Now, let's start with the positive, and the positive that is Bobby Witt Jr., because this is what we dreamed about. This is what Royals yeah. fans have been dreaming about for a long time. Remember when we were talking at the beginning of the season, we're like, this dude can't be Jeremy Pena. This dude can't bat 220 with an on base percentage of 270. And the next thing you know, you're looking at OPS of 826, uh, 37 stolen bases, 26 home runs. He's getting on base at 320, which is going to play because he's never going to walk a ton, but he's hitting the ball hard. What have you seen from Bobby Witt Jr. that makes you think that this is who he is, and this is not just a hot streak from a very talented but streaky player? I mean, it's been a long time for it to be a hot streak, right? He started turning things around in late May um, when they took him out of the leadoff spot. He has if you look at his stats, if you say since this date he's been this, and then you make it a little bit closer, it's it's better every time you make it a little bit closer. Um, I mean, he has a legitimate shot to be American League Player of the Month in August. I think that's. I don't think he'll get it, um, but he has a real shot. So that's crazy. Also, I mean, I wrote this today. I've been I've been writing. This is what Bobby Witt's done since this date. He's just all season. I mean, he, he is a top six player in baseball in terms of fan graphs, wins by replacement. Um, he's been a really, really good player. I think what we've seen from him, he's not, he's still not chasing a small enough amount of time. I, I know, that's a terrible way to say that, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, I wish he's he chasing too much is what you're saying, I guess? Yes, he's still chasing <laughs> a little too much. But it feels like early in counts, at least, he's not getting himself into bad counts. And and I think that's been a really big difference. He's also changed his hand placement, and he's got a, he's done a much better job with hitting fastballs. And that that was the biggest concern, is that velocity got him. And in today's game, you can't be gotten by velocity and be successful because everybody throws hard. So um, that's been the really biggest change, I think, offensively. And 
you know, it, it, it every at bat of his is must watch television. I mean, we were, it, they were in Oakland this week, obviously. And so the games were late and, um, you know, I've got, a, I've got a almost nine month old now and it was, it was bedtime. It was time to go to bed, but I was like, you know what? I will, um, I'll come up for story time after Bobby went to bat. Like it's going to take two minutes. I, I can't not watch this. And so that, that's what he's become. Um, it's, it's been really remarkable. I want to talk about one up-and-comer who I don't think we talk about hardly ever, and that's Darion Blanco. And you actually mentioned him on your article in Inside the Crown, which, again, if you're listening and you don't subscribe to Inside the Crown and you're a Royals fan, what the bleep are you doing? Subscribe and get the best Royals content directly into your email, to your mailbox. Read it while you have your morning coffee. That's what I do. It is outstanding. And you get little nuggets about players. I thought you read it in the bathtub. I, well, both. Come on, I was trying to keep this a, a PG, not PG-13 show. Come on now, Wesky. Whatever. Uh-huh. Darion Blanco, though, I know it's 89 at bat, or 89 at-bats. 15 stolen bases. He now has a OPS of 755. Um, you look at ESPN's wins above replacement in that limited sample size, 1.2 wins above replacement, 89 at-bats. Is Darion Blanco more than just a fourth or fifth outfielder is he actually becoming something i mean so here's the problem with blanco he's 30 years old and it, it it's not his fault obviously he's born when he was born um he came from cuba he, he didn't start playing professionally until he was i want to say 25 and then the 2020 season and all that um it it pushed his development back a little bit and he, he's he's kind of raw too for a 30 year old but 99 plate appearances, 11 extra base hits. I mean, that's that's a really that's, that's a lot. He, he's got some pop. Um, he uses his legs really well to get an extra base here and there. Um, he's also rated exceptionally well defensively in the corners. So, you know, I ultimately I do think fourth outfielder, just because you know I, there's just not the offensive upside there so much, but. What's really interesting about a good lineup, and I wrote about this with Michael A. Taylor. I think I've written about this with Kyle Isbell. If I haven't, I will. If you have an elite defender and you have a lineup that scores runs, you can deal with a guy who isn't an elite offensive player because you've got other guys to pick up the slack as long as that guy can pick it. You know, whether, and you can't do it at first base. I mean, that's, that just doesn't work. But in center field, at shortstop, even second or third, I think, um, especially with the shift out, shift bands, all that, I think that, that those positions get a little more important than they ever were before. If you can support a subpar offensive player, it, it makes you it makes it easier to support a good defense. And and so I, I think that there is a path where Blanco could be a regular. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, I think he's really high energy. Um, I think he's the perfect guy for a bench role. And, you know, fourth outfielder over the course of a season probably should get, I don't know, 300 plate appearances, something like that, especially when you're looking at, a, at an outfield. MJ Melendez bats left, Kyle Isbell bats left. You have Blanco from the right side. You, know, you can give them days off against tough lefties. It, it's kind of a really good fit with this team. 
Well, I was going to point out, it feels like we say that, uh, you know, fourth outfielder moniker about so many players the Royals have. You say that yeah. about, I mean, personally, Drew Waters and Kyle Isbell right now. Now, I know yeah. I'm a, a pretty staunch Drew Waters supporter. I, I think you might be on the Kyle Isbell side in regards to which one would you rather have. But what have you seen from those two guys specifically, and where do they fit in long term? What's interesting about Isbell and Waters is at this point with what they've done, it sort of feels like they, they're redundant on the roster. And and it's not necessarily because they're the same player. They get there in very different ways. Drew Waters is uh, not as good of a defender in center, at least, as Kyle Isbell. Isbell is an elite defender in center mm-hmm. field. I mean, it, there's no arguing that, with, given what he's done the last couple of seasons. Um, Waters is the guy who... I feel like if you give him 600 at-bats, he's probably going to get you 25 home runs. I'm not sure if it. I'm not sure if there's 200 strikeouts or 300 strikeouts or whatever in that, but not 300. That's, that's too many. But <laughs> come on, come on, um, Joey Gallo. He's he's going to strike out. I mean, he, he's going to he's going to hit for some power. Um, he's probably going to hit 230, 240. He does work a walk. Um, I think that there's room on a roster for him. But again, I'm not sure there's room on a roster for him and Kyle Isbell because Isbell gets there differently. He is the elite defender in center field. Um, you know, he he hits the ball hard, but he doesn't have the best launch angle. Um, you know, there's there's some issues with his offensive game, although he's been pretty good over the last uh, month, month and a half, something like that. So, yeah, there, there's something to like about Kyle Isbell as well. It just kind of feels like neither one of those guys, well. I go back to what I said about Blanco. On a good offense, you can put those guys at the bottom of the lineup and not worry about it. But in a Royals offense, that how many how many bats do you feel good about? Five, six, whatever that is. Yeah, that 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 leads to a, a rough bottom of the order, and it makes makes Isbell and Waters and Blanco more of the fourth outfielder types, extra outfielder types, I should say. Um, and and it makes it kind of kind of redundant. I. I don't know which way I lean. I probably Isbell just because you want the elite center field defense, I guess. But but ultimately, it's it's. Um, I mean, I, 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 there's there's a good argument for both. I want to bring up the downtown versus North Stadium. Um, I talked to someone who used to be on the city council uh, in Clay County, and one of the things I want people to realize is when we talk about the North Stadium. We're not talking about by the airport. We're talking like just over a downtown KC, like just north. It's a couple miles. It, it is very, very close. Do you have any preference? Because now that we know that Kaufman's leaving, we have to get over the fact that it's leaving. Because that's been hard for me, Lesky, is I mean, change is hard. It's hard for everyone. It, it's natural to push back. But now that we know the Royals are going to leave this current stadium, it comes down to... Do you like the North? Do you like downtown? Do you have a preference? Where do you land here? Yeah, that's interesting because I, I, there's things to like about both both locations. Um, from a once I get to the ballpark perspective, I really like what they did. What, what it looks like in North Kansas City, I I like the more sprawling idea. What the ninety acres versus twenty seven acres? Yeah. Um, I, I really like the idea of what they have there. 
Um, and you're right, that location, I, I, I feel like if you're standing at the top, if they were to build both stadiums, I think you could see them standing on the top of the other. Yeah. Like, I think you could actually, like, see them across the river. So they're close. It's like three miles or something like that. Um, really close. So it's not a huge difference. I I like the idea of the North Kansas City one personally, which I didn't think I would so yeah. much. It just feels a little bit more like a like an actual like what do they call it, the ballpark district, like an actual district, and not just you know, the downtown. Just feels like it's kind of shoved into a small area to me. Um, problem that comes up, and this is this is where it gets interesting, and I, I don't know the answer to these questions, but how likely is it that it, that a vote passes in Clay County versus Jackson County? Because yeah. Jackson County has a a lot more people. Which then also, which makes the tax a lot lower. It's three eighths of a cent versus one cent in Clay County. Um, but also, you know, if you're on the Jackson County ballot, you're probably going to be sharing a ballot measure with the Chiefs. And I, in Kansas City, if Chiefs are on a ballot, the vote is yes. Like it's just, it doesn't matter what it is. The Chiefs could ask you to give up your firstborn child. And I think that would, I think yes would win like 53%. <laughs> like it's just, it's just the way it is in Kansas City right now. So yeah. they, they could really benefit from Jackson County. I also think that's the preference of ownership. I think that sure. Jackson County is the preference, preferential spot. Um, they want to be downtown. And, you know, ultimately I think that's where it's going to be. But I, I did not expect to say this. I kind of like the North Kansas City one. I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, originally, I thought, well, why would they go there? You know, you can build a district where they're currently at. I know all the the thought process, how they've done studies. It's not going to work where it's currently at. And I, So once I got over the fact it's moving, once I got over the fact, and I'm like, all right, the K is moving, I'm kind of leaning towards Clay as well. I, I think part of the issue is when you hear North, Again, maybe I'm wrong, Les, but when I hear north, I automatically think airport. I think, okay, yeah. how long of a drive is this going to be? I live on the south side of Kansas City. I live in downtown Overland Park. How far of a drive is it going to be for me? And I'm thinking, 40 minutes? But then you see, oh, it's just over downtown. Like, you're there. It made it way more palatable. And again, Kansas City to me is more fun as a, as you mentioned, a sprawling district. A spread out district. I like it horizontal, not vertical. My yeah. main my main concerns downtown is it's always going to be parking. It's always going to be parking, and until that happens, um, until I get some answers about parking, I'm going to have those reservations. And I want to ask you this, but just really quickly before I let you go here, doesn't it feel like Clay would be more family oriented compared to downtown? Maybe I'm wrong here, but when I think of downtown stadiums, I think of Bush Stadium. I think of uh, you know like the Yankees, for example. You think of more. Um, I don't want to say non-family friendly, but Kansas City and the Royals have always been catered towards family friendly and the kids and all that stuff. That feels like you'd have a better vibe in Clay than maybe downtown. Maybe I'm wrong here. No, I, I mean, look at the, the – what did I even on the website. I'm sorry, Royals. Um, sorry, Sam Mellinger. I, I, I apologize for not getting this website right. But the Ballpark District website, look at the videos and listen to the songs they play over the two options. It is so it's – it's funny to me because one of them, the downtown one is very, like, urban and, and cool. And then the North Kansas City one is very, like, 
here's a little country ditty that we're playing over over this video. Yeah, I think it's it's very much designed. I think it feels more family oriented. Ultimately, I don't think it. I think that it'll feel family oriented if you bring your family. Like, I don't think it's yeah. a big deal. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I think that, and I, I don't know. Um, I don't know this to be true. Um, but I kind of think that if Jackson County doesn't want to play well, play nice. And you know, Frank White's a name that's brought up quite a bit in this. Um, if he's not willing to put this on the ballot in April, I, I didn't think this um, two months ago, three months ago, but I think this now, I think they could go with North Kansas City. I really do. I didn't, I thought it was a ploy, which, let me real quick. I know you're trying to get. I know you're trying to get rid of me. But. No, Lusky, you can stay as long as you want, pal. I, I just care about your time. Okay. I, no, I appreciate it. I, I think it's interesting. Look at the White Sox and the Brewers. Which, by the way, we didn't even talk about the White Sox hiring Chris Getz and Dayton Moore. Apparently, anyway. Um, so, Chris Getz, you mean uh, Nicky Lopez with a good eye? What? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, the White Sox and Brewers and and the A's, obviously. All these owners are like, hey, you don't give us what we want. We're going to move. John Sherman, for all the you-know-what he's given, his response to a stadium isn't, it's either here or Nashville. No, no. His response is like, I'm going to use this leverage three miles north of the stadium. Like, Give him some credit for that. There has never been a, hey, we're going to leave Kansas City if this doesn't work. It's always been like, hey, we might go to North Kansas City if this doesn't work. Like, come on. That's... That's different than what we're seeing from other owners, and I appreciate that. Um, I, I I wanted to make that point just because I think John Sherman is ragged on more than he should be, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of people are going to disagree with that, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't be ragged on. Um, but this is a guy who is not using Nashville or Portland or charlotte or whatever is leverage he's using north kansas city as leverage he's using a site three miles north as leverage he didn't even use kansas he didn't even use kansas as leverage yeah, he didn't even leave the state <laughs> he could have gone look you're gonna, you can't tell me that they couldn't find 100 acres in overland park yeah like he absolutely could have that i think that deserves some credit personally maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm giving credit for like the lowest you know, whatever. But, like, I mean, that deserves credit. Yeah. No, I, I've been trying to be completely transparent because he's been fairly transparent. Not not always with where the funding's going and the $1 billion, Is it going to the district, the ballpark? But you can be honest with the fact that he's been honest of what he wants. He wants a new ballpark, and he wants it in Kansas City. He wants it in yeah. Missouri. You know, there wasn't this, you know, we might get a new stadium. We might do this. It was, we're, we're doing this. And, again, if you disagree, that's fine. Because initially, I disagreed. I love the K, okay? And I I will always say change is hard. So I'm I'm sure that once this actually goes into effect, I'll be much more um, amenable to this. But change is – Once you go, it's just where you go. A hundred percent. That's what it becomes. A hundred percent. But change is always going to be hard. There's always going to be a pushback. And part of you is always going to push back when it's something as beautiful and as traditional as Kaufman is. But, again – He's been upfront, and I can respect a man who says what he wants, and he's honest about it. He's not hiding behind it. He is saying what he wants, and that, to me, at least, you can respect that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. Uh, and a man I respect is David Lesky. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at DBLesky. Make sure you go to insidethecrown.substack.com. Again, if you are not subscribed and you are a Royals fan, what are you doing? Who else is giving you Blanco knowledge? Who else? Nobody. That's correct, Lesky. That is correct. Uh, okay, I want to make sure I answer that right. Yeah, you did. I, I think you did a good job. I've not seen Darion Blanco uh really insight anywhere else so i wanted to give you at least a little bit of a shout out there thank you appreciate that lesky always a pleasure man we'll talk again soon sounds good thanks early take a quick break come back home stretch here espn kansas city welcome back to the home stretch espn kansas city thank you again to david lesky Always appreciate him coming on the show. Um, I was cracking up. I called my pledge brother today, and I told him, I said, hey, man, I'm heading to St. Louis for a... I'm meeting some people in St. Louis as we head to Louisville for a golf trip, okay? All these folks that I play with, they live in St. Louis now, and we're going because we went to Mizzou together. We're playing in Louisville. So I will have no show next week, Tuesday through Friday. Kyle, no show next week, Tuesday through Friday. No, I know. You know it. You know it. Okay. So I texted him, or I called him, actually. I was like, hey, do you want to grab lunch in Columbia? Because he lives in Columbia. And I go, let's, let's get some booches. love booches burgers. It's great. So I said, let's get some booches. But I also maybe said a couple cuss words, and I was kind of just, you know, as you do when you call your friend, being a goober. His boss was in the car the whole time. And I'm like, why is he being so... I'm like, I'm like, geez, why are you being so, qu- being so quiet? Come on, baby. I'm like, aren't you bleeping excited? Let's get a... I'm gonna grab, grab a beer, grab a bite to eat, have some fun. And he texts me, he goes, hey, sorry, dude. My boss was in the car with me. And I'm like, oh, man. Shouldn't have answered. Wait, so you, your voice was playing throughout the whole car? Yeah. Oh. I'm like... Let's bleepin' go cheese. <laughs> Come on, babe. I didn't say that like bad, bad, but just you know, like cussing, like yeah. just getting getting stoked. Yeah, gonna see, gonna see one of my good friends. Mm. Now you, you and your buddy need to come up with like a code phrase or something. Just say, hey, hey, dude, my boss is in the car. That works too. What's up, man? <laughs> Don't answer. It's fine. He said it's okay. I was just letting a couple of uh, cuss words because I can't I can't cuss on air. Right. So I got to get them off when I'm not. Yeah. You got to let them rip sometimes. Got to yeah. let them out early, okay? You got to get them out, and then when you do the show on radio, you're good. You won't say anything. Yeah. You can let them out on the show. I'll, I'll dump them. You got a dump button. You, you could do that. I might miss, but. I don't think it really works back here very well, so I wouldn't uh, wouldn't recommend it. A couple of baseball news since we talked about the Royals. Shohei Otani, well, UCL tear. Jeff Passan wrote a phenomenal article on ESPN today. Love Jeff Passan, good dude. Uh, but man, this is a horrendous blow for baseball's brightest. Shohei Otani done on the pitching side of things because you can still bat the torn UCL. Yep. First game he pitched, tore it. It was a doubleheader. Batted second, game two. I feel bad for Shohei because 
the only limit to what he can do is legitimately his body. What he does is unheard of. We have not seen this in the modern era of baseball. Nothing even close. A dude who's not just an average pitcher and an average hitter, but he had been the best hitter in baseball. And, oh, yeah, what, a top ten pitcher. It's a creative player. It's a video game. It's ridiculous. So the UCL tear, a couple options. If it gets Tommy John, we won't be able to hit for a while. We saw what happened. He was out seven months batting, I, I believe, when it happened last time. Yeah, that was in 2018. Yeah. And he didn't pitch for a whole year, 13 months, whatever it was, but he could he, he was able to bat seven months in or something like that. So who knows if they try and do the where they insert whatever they insert to try and have it heal on its own, or they try Tommy John. So Shohei Otani, huge loss, not just for the Angels, not just for Shohei. I mean, he's a guy who's coming up for free agency. How much money does that lose him? Yeah, he's going to be a free agent. Could be hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe he still gets it because the bidding war, even just for his bat, is so high. Right. I mean, seriously, even for his bat might be so high. It's possible. Throw in the pitching, but and it, maybe it's $100 million extra. Yeah. But is he still crest the half a billion dollars that a lot of folks thought was going to be the low end of his market? Just a couple days ago, before this happened, $700 million seemed like the jumping off point. Now we don't know. Steven Strasburg, who has been out since 2022 with injury, is now going to retire. What a what-if career for Steven Strasburg. First overall draft pick, World Series MVP, but quite frankly played way, way less than anyone ever would dream of. I still remember his first start. It was much must-watch TV. Yeah, it was against the Pirates. He struck out 15 or 16, something ridiculous. It was absurd. It was one of the first times I'd seen in recent memory where he was trying to throw a curveball at the top of the zone because it got so much break you thought no chance is coming down. He was electric. Anytime he pitched, he was electric. But he has only pitched four and two-thirds innings Since, oh wow, oh here's this one. He's thrown 528 pitches since signing a $245 million contract. Wow. That was right after the World Series season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One World Series MVP. Signed 245, seven years. 528 pitches. Yeah, the Nationals, they chose... To sign Strasburg over Rendon, who they let go. Yeah, which was also probably a smart move. Yeah. They probably should let both guys go, quite frankly. But to be as electric of a, of a prospect as he was, because he was in there with Bryce Harper. I think Bryce Harper was was a guy who had this type of hype, hype in baseball. Um, obviously Shohei Otani, but it's a little different, I think. I, I think Strasburg was one of the few guys that you really can give the label generational talent to 
and generational hype to. Not he got the hype in the minors. I mean, think about Paul Skeens for LSU. There's a lot of hype around Paul Skeens. I don't think it was anything close to Steven Strasburg. And maybe because I was younger then, so it meant more. But I feel like everyone, I remember my dad being glued to the TV. He likes baseball, loves the Royals, but it, I don't think he would ever just turn on a game. But it was right. it was Steven Strasburg. It was his debut. It was something that I feel like everyone wanted to be there to witness. And he put on a show. It's wild to see him retire after the plethora of injuries that have hampered his career. Yeah, and he was the, you know, he was highly touted, you know, as the best pitching prospect ever, even though there's really no such thing as a pitching prospect. But he's really the first guy I remember growing up getting his innings limited, you know, that Nationals had to shut him down. That was the first time I really remember something like that being possible. Three-time All-Star, 113 and 62, 3.24 ERA, only 247 starts. Over 13 years. When he was there, he was electric. Couldn't stay healthy. Take a quick break. Come back. Home stretch here. ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch. ESPN Kansas City. I'm shocked we didn't see a little Brett Veachian move because this feels like a Brett Veach move. As the Cardinals trade Isaiah Simmons to the Giants for a seventh round pick. Now Isaiah Simmons, he went to Kansas right for a year before he went to Clemson. He's from Kansas. His brother went to Kansas. Isaiah Simmons, remember him? Linebacker, kind of do it all. Cardinals slash, he's from Olathe, Kansas. That's what it is. From Kansas. His brother, I'm pretty sure, went to KU. But Isaiah Simmons traded for a seventh from the Cardinals to the Giants. Doesn't that feel like a Brett Veach move? Yeah, former first rounder. Get him for the cheap. Versatile player. Former first rounder. From the area? I get it. There's not a lot of room right now because Isaiah Simmons is now wanting to play defensive back. He's moving on from linebacker to safety slash corner. Been playing in the slot, playing all over. He actually was on the field a decent amount and was the guy who was burned by Justin Watson on that touchdown. It's a learning curve for him. Been a little interesting. Imagine Steve Spagnolo. The versatility that he likes to have on this defense. Now imagine a guy who's almost like a lighter Drew Tranquil. A little fat, like I love Drew Tranquil. He ain't playing safety. He ain't playing D, you know cornerback. He's a great coverage linebacker, but does he have that next level? I wonder if Isaiah Simmons does. I'm still intrigued to see how this plays out for him and his career. This is the home stretch here, ESPN Kansas City. Until tomorrow. We are out.